meal together after church, so you really don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great celebration. Isn't our heavenly Father so good towards us? Don't we just have such an amazing Father in heaven that looks after us and blesses us? And, um, I've been uh, thinking about the prayer and fasting session that we had, which finished at the end of November. And we had taken just a little recap here. We took 21 days to pray and to fast. And we were praying that each of us would be in the right place, that our hearts would be in the right place, that the church would be in the right place, and that also that God would um, lead us to the right building in the future. And very early on, while we were doing the praying and fasting, we got a very strong effect for it. God spoke real clearly. And, and then he told us, you're not quite ready. You need to sort out the marriages in the church and the broken people. That's what he said. He said, but I have a place for you. I have a place for you. And during the fasting period, God gave us revelation through a number lots of different prophetic words from all different places. And when we put it all the puzzle together, we know where the building is. We know where the building is. God has revealed it. So, even though he's saying, you're not quite ready, he's still so good. He's still showing us, this is the place. So now, I'm just appealing, let us all, every day, every day, wherever you are, if you're in the shower, you're in your car, just say, thank you, Father, for that building. Just say, thank you, Father. Because when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, You've got to warfare it then. You have the prophetic voice, but you have to warfare it then. You don't just sit by. No, no. We, we partner with the Lord. So every day we say, thank you Lord for the new building. So what do we pray then? So we pray now because the prophetic word said there will be a partnership. Now, we cannot make that partnership happen. God can. So that's what we say. Thank you, Father, that you've, you've identified the building. Now, God, you will surely open the door. Surely you will open the door, supernaturally, for this partnership that God has prophesied and said. Again, from multiple prophets, it's been spoken, that it will be a partnership. So we'll start off with a partnership. So when you hear us a partnership, don't panic about it. Because God's ways are higher than ours, and they will work for our benefit. He is a lot smarter than we are. He saved us from the building we thought we would want. <laughs> we even walked around the seven times. But the Lord didn't open that door. Why? Because it was too small. You've got to remember, it's not our church. It's his church. And he says, your dream was too small. You've got to think bigger. Because the kingdom of God is ever-expanding. So exciting days, exciting days. But today I want to talk about inner healing because in that word God said there are broken people and they need healed. Brokenness on the inside. We, we talk very much about healing of the body. You know, uh, we've been all praying for Sammy in the hospital because she took a stroke and she's getting so much better. 
Everybody understands that everybody prays. But there's another kind of healing, and it's not from an illness, but it's from healing of the soul. So if you are emotionally hurt, if your feelings, your emotions, your mind, there's another kind of disease, but it's not like a physical disease, but it's in your soul. And God says that it's like brokenness, and He wants to heal that. So today, I want to share a few words of the inner healing. Those of you that were here last Sunday, we heard two very amazing testimonies from the two Richards. We heard two amazing testimonies of how God stepped into their situation and healed them. Did you notice that both of them, it was a God intervention. It was a God encounter. It did not start off with a human being going and saying, oh, I think uh, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. If we open ourselves up and allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister, He ministers in ways that we don't even have words to articulate. I'm talking from experience as well. When the Holy Spirit comes and ministers, oh, it's a thousand times better than to have the greatest minister of this world minister to you. Because he knows exactly what is needed. And I'm talking to all of you today. I'm talking to you teenagers as well. Yes, teenagers can also get hurt. Yes. All ages, we can go through things because the way that God has created us, you know, we, we are quite fragile. We're really quite fragile. And we can easily get broken. Psalm 147 verse 3, you put that up, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is what the Lord does. Look to the Lord because He is the one that can bring healing to your brokenhearted. And the famous words from Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. God sets us free from oppression and He heals the brokenhearted. How does the Lord do that? He did it on the cross. Isaiah 53, very well known verses again. But he let it sink into your soul today. That this is what was accomplished on the cross. By faith receive this into your spirit and into your body today. He is despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he 
has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Griefs and sorrow is what Jesus carried for us on the cross. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened up his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearer in silence. So he opened up his mouth. So as we look to the cross, we so clearly see that the Lord Jesus carried the anguish of soul. Every anguish of soul that you could ever experience. If you've been bullied, you've been rejected, you've been abused, all of that pain Jesus has carried on the cross. All of it. All of it. So that we can be set free. We can be set free from the sickness in our soul. I just want to share some examples from scripture. We are in our healing in the scripture. It's there in many places, but sometimes we're so familiar with the story that we don't necessarily connect to it in our healing. So I'm just going to give you two examples this morning to make it extra real for us. The first one is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. I will always like the story of Joseph because he's the one that got us all on the journey about how to interpret dreams. But he's such a special man of God. Um, you're all familiar with the story of Joseph. Let's go to Genesis 45 verses 1 to 5. So you know that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. His own family betrayed him. Some of you have experienced that betrayal by brothers or sisters or your, or your earthly family. I know some of you have experienced that. It's very painful. It's very painful. And this is what happened to Joseph, right? His brothers, they sold him off. And then they pretended that he had died. What a terrible thing for a young teenager to experience. What a terrible, terrible situation. And if that wasn't bad enough, when he started to do well working for Potiphar, then he was accused of rape, which he never committed. So he was constantly accused of things, and things happened to him that was not of his own doing. Other people's sin impacted him. And then we get to Genesis uh, 45, and this is after he actually has become the second in charge in Egypt, and then his own biological brothers come because they want to buy food. And he realizes who they are, but by this time, he's talking Egyptian, just like I know He's speaking Egyptian, and they don't realize that he actually understands the Hebrew language. But he understands, he knows who they are. And then it says here, then Joseph could not 
restrained himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go right from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Remember, this has been going on for years. He's been carrying this pain in his heart that his very own brothers, his older brothers, they all sold him. They sold him off and betrayed him. And it says, he wept aloud. This is talking about anguish of soul, isn't it? He is the prime minister and he's weeping out loud. Why? Because there's hurt. Inside his heart is deep hurt. He's crying out loud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. He was sobbing. This is not, this is really sobbing because he could hear it. He sent everybody out, but they still could hear it. He could not contain it anymore. He had to let it out. But listen to what happens. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him. For they were dismayed of his presence. They were, they were in fear. They were in fear. Remember, he was really hurt. But these brothers had lived with condemnation every single day. His brothers, when they put them, their children to bed, they would say, Oh, what I did to my own young brother. Imagine if somebody took my child away, the anguish I put my father through. They lived with regret. All their days they lived with regret. They were in bondage, and Joseph was in bondage. This is what sin does. Everybody's in bondage. They are no winners. And Joseph said to his brother, please come near to me. And they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Do you see the inner healing that God has done in Joseph's life here? And he's actually able to say to his brothers, don't beat yourself up anymore. God has turned this situation around. Romans, God works everything together for good. It took years for Joseph to get to see this. But he's got this revelation by the Holy Spirit that this was God allowed certain things to happen that were really hurtful. So that life could be preserved. Because of that, the nation was saved. Do you see this as inner healing? Because as we, we take too long, but if you actually read through the story of Joseph, initially he had bitterness in his life. You can tell that from the way that he would speak. Uh, he would say, oh, remember me because I was unjustly this, this, this. And so we speak in bitterness. But now, when we get to chapter 45, he's saying, he, he knows what took place. He said, you sold, me to, you sold me to here. 
He knows what took place. The facts haven't changed. But the way he thinks about it has changed. The pain he's let out. And now he says, God made this for preservation of life. God has turned it around for good. And if you go back to Genesis 39 in verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And then you jump again to verse 21. This is when he was all falsely accused. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. So although he was accused, wrongly accused, and mistreated every time it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Everything he put his hand to, God blessed what he did. Because God was with him. So God turned this around. So the inner healing that Joseph went through, he went through a process where the Lord is helping him slowly, year by year, to see it from God's perspective. But it took time. It took time. And that's, again, it's not really unusual. The testimonies we heard last week were also talking about things that have taken place in the past from years ago. Just over the years. We're going to jump to the New Testament and look at an example for the New Testament. We are on the story of the road to Emmaus, the two disciples walking on the road. All the disciples were really traumatized because Jesus was captured and crucified. Remember, they thought that Jesus was going to defeat the Romans and free Israel. That's what they thought. They didn't have the insight. They didn't have the spiritual insight. They didn't understand, although Jesus told them that he would have to die. They didn't grasp it. And Jesus told them they didn't grasp it. So here you've got the two disciples. We are in Luke chapter 24. And you know the story very well. That these two disciples are walking along the road. And they're really defeated. They're really discouraged. We really thought that we had met the Savior. We really thought this was it. This was the Messiah. And while they're walking along the road. Who joins them in the walk? But Jesus himself. This is such a beautiful example for us. That while you are so discouraged. And you don't understand why things haven't worked out the way you thought. While you are walking there. And contemplating on that. Jesus himself is walking right beside you. He's right there. If we could only open our eyes. Jesus is right there with us in the pain. And in the disappointment, why didn't it work out, Lord? I thought that was the job for me. Why didn't it work out? I thought that was the right relationship. Why didn't it work out? Jesus is walking right with us. Luke 24, verse 15. So it was by the conversion of reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
really started a conversation. And they don't recognize that it's the Lord. We don't always recognize that the Lord is right beside us, but He is. Because He said we will never leave or forsake us. Even if we are not able to spot it, He still keeps His promise. He never leaves you. He's always there in the midst of the pain. How does Jesus heal them from the trauma? If you just imagine for a moment that you were one of Jesus' disciples or followers, and then suddenly Jesus is crucified. I mean, the crucifixion is really horrific. And um, when Mel Gibson made the movie about it, I had to close my eyes at some of the things. And this is just a made-up movie, and yet I couldn't watch it all. I thought, Lord, you've been through all that, I can't even watch it, because it's really so horrific. So can you imagine a follower of Jesus, and they're watching this? It's really traumatic. Do you understand? This is really traumatic. All their hopes are all crushed. They think this was going to be, this was going to be the Savior, and now he's dead. They didn't get it. So they were really traumatized. This is not a, a minor thing. This was a major thing in somebody's life. How did Jesus provide inner healing for them? By his words. John 2, verse 27. Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. So Jesus spent quality time with them and explained them, took them through all the scriptures and opened their eyes that they could understand that the Messiah, the King, had to die for our sin and he rose again. They completely, it was a complete turnaround for these two disciples because they were really discouraged and they were on their way, away. They were going away. I'm not doing this anymore, this is no good. They're walking away. But when Jesus explains from scripture by his word, gives, Jesus reinterprets their experience so they can see it from the eternity perspective. He reinterprets the happenings and it turns into joy for them. They walked away joyful because they realized now and understood the plan of salvation. This is how Jesus shows up. And he can reinterpret what's happened in your life. It's not always that, uh, as in this example, that it was an explanation through the scripture. But we need the Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts so that we can have Him reinterpret what has happened to us. So that we can see that Jesus was actually there with us. Even when it's a case of somebody sinning against us, you can receive a healing from that. So that you still know what took place, but it doesn't hurt anymore. That is what we call inner healing. That is Jesus healing the brokenhearted. 
Because sometimes we just don't understand what's going on. Um, Priya was wondering if you could share that testimony about Spurgeon. Could you come up? Because this is an example where lots of people in the church, we were all praying, and then when this young man died, we were like, God, what's, what's going on? Because we didn't understand. Come over here. You share it, because it will bless people. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. BSF Bible Study Foundation and um, this is done online so I have been online and I'm one of the leaders in that Bible study uh, been a BSF member for two years over two years and so one of the member uh, or the leaders so she holds a group of uh, 20 odd um, uh, members and she holds the Bible study along with them so so this is a senior leader and uh, her son, uh, about, he's 21 plus years, um, he is also a, a, a church worship leader and uh, um, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, leukemia early this year in April. And so he has been undergoing chemo and we have been regularly praying for him. Um, and. Uh, Quite uh, successfully, all his treatment went along just fine, and um, he had um, um, a bone marrow transplant too, and that went on fine. So he was at the last step of his treatment, which was um, uh, just like oral tablets that he had to take. Uh, and um, when when we all thought, you know, he was recovering well and he is in the final lap, he. Uh, his uh, WBC and his platelet levels came down so low that he had an infection, fungal infection of his sinus. And uh, that worsened even more because I think for chemo, as you all know, for chemo patients, uh, their platelets and their WBC counts can go very low, but it will bounce back. But for Spurgeon, unfortunately, it did not bounce back to a little normal. So he was afflicted with two kinds of infection and um, as they were t uh, taking him back to the hospital he went into sepsis and uh, so uh, Smirna, his mother, Spurgeon's mother uh, who was a BSF leader, she had asked us all to pray and we all went in a, uh, in a like, you know, regular basis of praying for Spurgeon who was admitted with the infection and I had posted the prayer request in the prayer group to our church prayer group and we were also praying for that and uh, the ladies meeting, the ladies were praying and I think all over the world, all over the world from people were praying from the US and everywhere and um, there was some, so this was like three weeks, this was the last, last uh, in November this happened and we were, we had been praying for three weeks and some days it would have been so good, he would have been making good progress and there were days when he was really bad to the point where he went into ventilator support and uh, that's when all our posts were little dwindling and we had been st uh, still praying and slowly eventually um, I'll just uh, read what happened uh, because 
I think that would be better. So and slowly on one, uh, so if he, if he passed away on a Wednesday, or sorry, the Monday, on uh, the Thursday, the previous week, Thursday, um, we had received a message saying that, you know, Spurgeon's organs were shutting down, they're starting to shutting down, it's only a miracle I can say. But on that Thursday, um, you know, um, as we were all praying, uh, we heard a report saying that, you know, his parameters have picked up again. So this was very confusing because we were preparing ourselves for the eventualities, but we had faith and still prayed. And on Monday, unfortunately, uh, we received news that uh, Spurgeon was no more. And uh, every Wednesday meeting at the ladies' meeting, we were praying. So uh, that Wednesday, so he died on Monday, so uh, on Wednesday, and I attended the funeral online and when I saw him, I was devastated because he's such a smart boy, very smart and handsome uh, kid. And when I saw the, his body, you know, laid in the casket, it was just really horrible because his nose was gone. It was just black and then the nostrils were not there. And his eyes were all swollen black because his platelets were so low that it was bleeding all over. So he was bleeding with scars and broken skin all over. Both eyes were swollen, shut, uh, with blood pooling in. And of course no hair. So he looked, I thought he would be bad, but this was, he could not even figure out if it was Spurgeon. It looked entirely different. And the whole church was broken down and everyone was crying, his mom was crying. And seeing that, I, though I have not met him personally, I was so broken, I was crying. So on the Wednesday meeting, when I came back to the story for the church, I was just asking the other ladies, like, you know, I'm, I'm not able to comprehend because every one of us were praying for months together. And, you know, all over the world, people were praying for Spurgeon. And uh, Melita said, you know, maybe we, we should know what to pray for, the will of God. And uh, so that's that's how the conversation ended. And Merita later on sent me a message. Um, she said um, she Jan Jan is one of the prayer uh, partner of uh, Merita. Like you know, we have an intercessory prayer on Tuesday. Some of you might be joining us. And uh, so she and Jan Merita and Jan have been prayer prayer partner, and they have been praying for Spurgeon. So Jan. This is the U.S. And uh, when Merita had forwarded the message about Spurgeon's passing, this is what Jan had replied. She said she already knew the Lord had revealed it. Here's what Jan says. Merita, on the day you announced the news of Spurgeon's death, I received this from the Lord. Spurgeon will depart from the earth today. I, the Lord, have given him a choice. He came to me, met and spoke with me, and he chose to be with me rather than remain in his physical body. He knows what was spoken, hoped for, and prayed for over him. My delight is in him, and for his choice, I have granted to him the reward found in Revelation 14, 4-5. He has glorified me and will continue to do so in my presence. So, Merida said, if you feel, you know, if you bring comfort to the mother, just pass it on. And I passed it on to the mother. So they were having a Thanksgiving prayer on Thursday. And I passed it on as soon as Megita sent it to me. And she said, 
Oh dear Priya, a million thanks to you. We are still crying and grieving and will grieve. But what a great consolation. I am so comforted. Stanley, her husband, is so comforted. I knew that he would not come back to us as his desire was to be with Jesus. Already two times when he was serious, he was sent back to us. He used to say, ask me, Mommy, why did you call me back from Jesus? I was so happy and peaceful with him. And I used to say to Spurgeon, your work isn't over on earth. This is not the time to go with Jesus. But he was always looking forward to be with the Lord. So when he was in the ICU, we three would always call him, Spurgeon, come back, come back. Tell Jesus to send you back. But last Thursday and Friday, so he died on a Monday. So, this love, but last Thursday and Friday, his face was so bright and beautiful and peaceful. Myself and Sylvanus, that is his younger brother, knew Spurgeon was with Jesus. Praise you, Lord. You are worthy of my praise and glory. Hallelujah. So, if she sent a voice message, I'll just, uh, you know, shorten it and say. So, she said, when she went and saw Spurgeon two times, it seems Spurgeon said that I am already with the Lord. I have met with Jesus. And why are you calling me back? So this is what he could speak before he went into the ventilator. And um, so once uh, the Monday he was dying and then the Thursday and the Friday she said his face was so bright and glorious because you know of all the beyond the disfiguration his face was so bright and glorious. She said it looked like as of Moses, you know, when he met with the Lord, his face was so glorious that he had to cover with a veil. So that's how she said it was like that. And so, and his parameters also picked up. Because he had met with the Lord, his parameters had picked up. But he had made a decision to go and be with the Lord. And this is what Jan got the revelation miles and miles away in America that, you know, Jesus, uh, Spurgeon has met with me and I gave him a choice and he said, you know, he wants to be with me. And um, and that is because his delight is in me, but because I delight in him and for, uh, in his choice, uh, I've given him revelation, the gift, the reward of revelation for 14, 4 and 5. So this is what she got and Zephaniah 3.17 was a verse that he was given. It says, the Lord will take great delight in you. So... You know, this boy was going around in the cancer ward playing guitar and worshipping and encouraging others. But he made a choice to be with the Lord. And this thing, you know, what the revelation from Jan brought great consolation to Smyrna and her family because she was asking the Lord for some kind of assurance about her son. And it brought great consolation to me and to the rest of the PSF family members because of what God revealed through Jan. So as Merida is saying, you know, this is something, the loss of a child is a big thing for any mother, any father. But you know, the way God, through that grief, you know, God brought consolation. Just the way when Lazarus died, you know, they were crying, Mary and Martha and the rest of the Jewish family were crying. But Jesus wept along with them. He brought great consolation. In all their grief, he was also grieving along with them, bringing consolation. So, you know, uh, that's what uh, I want to share that God brought great, great, great consolation and comfort to me uh, through what he shared through Jan. Thank you. Thank you.
how the Lord heals the brokenhearted, bringing that extra comfort to the mother. And uh, yeah, because I don't believe this meeting, everybody's like, why? Why? We prayed so hard, you know, because I did hear our prayer. But he gave the young man a choice. Yes. So, just to finish off, so how do you receive inner healing then? How do you receive inner healing? The first step is to take the path of forgiveness. Um, the, the testimony from Richard last week, Richard Bathy, he said that while he was under the Holy Spirit power, God gave him a flash of all the people that had done him harm and told him to release forgiveness. That was the first step. And if you don't pass the first step of releasing forgiveness, you will stay in pain. You will stay in pain. Jesus said that. The tormentors will get you. Jesus told us we need to. It's difficult because we choose with us a spirit is able to release forgiveness, but our soul, our emotions find it so hard. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit helping us to do it. To, to make that choice so that his love comes into our heart so that we can see it from his perspective. So choosing to release forgiveness to people that have hurt us or if it's a sin that we've committed, we need to ask God to forgive us. Forgiveness is the first step. Always, always the first step. The second step is to invite Jesus into the room. You'll be familiar with Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus does not force himself into your house, your, your life. He, Jesus does not force you to open the door. He's just knocking. He's asking, would you let me to come in and to bring healing? Some of the hurts, they're not in your front room. They're, they're put away in a box and you throw the key away and then you put it in the back room or in the attic or in the cellar, spiritually speaking. Why? Because it's too hurtful to think about. But if you open the door and let Jesus into those innermost areas, where are you being hurt? Where are you being misunderstood? Where are you being abused? If you allow Jesus to come into a situation and minister to you by the Holy Spirit, He is the one that brings that supernatural healing that no man can do. Just like He did to Joseph. Just like He did to the disciples. He spoke the truth to them. And what they had believed turned out to be a lie. So he replaced the lie with truth. And healing starts to flow. Why don't we just close our eyes? Holy Spirit, come every heart now. So Jesus is standing at each of our doors to our lives, and he's knocking. Will you open up and let them in? Open up your heart 
for Jesus to come in to your disappointments, the betrayals you've lived through, the pain, the brokenness. Allow Jesus to come in. Release forgiveness to those that have hurt you. Just say in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive. Name them. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak his words into your heart. He's the one that has carried that pain. Can you take that pain, that oppression, and just hand it over into the arms of Jesus? Hand it over to him. Hand over the memory, the trauma, the pain from the situation. Allow him to embrace you, to bring healing into those deep rooms. See him on the cross. See him carrying that pain that you've carried for too many years. He's carrying it on the cross. So hand it over. Let it go. And the final step is for you to take the hand of Jesus and let him walk you out of that place that you are tormented. Let him walk out of the place where you were disappointed, where you were betrayed, where you were let down, where you were rejected. Take the hand of Jesus and he walks you out of that place because that is not the place that you belong, my friend. He has paid for that and it's time for you to walk out with the Savior into a victorious life in the name of Jesus. He's here. He's here. Just receive from him. Receive from him. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. This is for you today. This is for you. Each other. We'll have fellowship together.